I'm a booger. I'm a booger booger. I'm a booger. I'm a booger 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 booger. Thank you for downloading this episode of I'm a Booker Booker, a novel podcast about books and the people who write them. An invisible enemy has turned our lives upside down. We now live in a world where a roll of toilet paper is more sought after than a first edition of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Where Karen from the internet is an instant epidemiologist and has a meme to prove it. Where smoking dacha is legal and going to work will land you a prison sentence. We travel into the heart of the lockdown to bring you Amabuka Booker, the Quarantine Chronicles. Author's lockdown. T minus twelve. Rashida Khan is a unicorn. Well, that's how she describes herself. She's also a writer. Rashida had worked in a bank and for NGOs, and as she was approaching fifty, took a leap of faith and decided to throw in the nine-to-five towel and pick up her pen to become a full-time writer. She has written two novels, *Mirror Cracked*. Which won the Manara Aziz Hasim Literary Award and was serialized into a radio drama and its sequel, Fragrance of Forgiveness. She has also published an anthology of her poetry, Happy Birthday, Rashi. And in February, she published Your Voice, My Strength, and Other Stories, a collection of her short stories that tackle important themes of womanhood, creativity, and of love. Welcome to Amabuka Buka, Rashida. Can you please read us an extract? This is called Your Voice, My Strength. Amina painstakingly applied the makeup to shield the bruise on her left cheek. Fortunately, there was no cut and not much swelling. It still hurt like hell, though. Lukman, her husband of 14 years, never left, left marks on her face that could not be hidden. She had become expert at applying makeup. It had become so different from when she was younger when she hardly ever wore any. He was careful with her face, but that still left him her whole body since she was covered head to foot. She always wore an abaya, a traditional flowing garment that covered her entirely. All anyone saw of her was her face. She looked away from the mirror when she showered or dressed. While applying salve or bars, the soft crease lids almost closed over the eyes that were glassy nowadays. There was not an inch of her fragile frame that Lukman had left unmarked over the last nine years. Nine used to be my lucky number. Maybe it will stop before ten. At her very core, though, she felt it would stop only with her death. She wrapped her headscarf carefully, ensuring all loose tendrils were tucked in and no makeup smudged off. Amina's narrow feet in flat pumps could not be seen and barely made a sound. The unadored, frayed hem of her abaya was long enough to sweep the ground, so it looked like she floated to the kitchen. So that's the beginning of the first story. I'd also like to read a poem or two from my poetry anthology. Um, and these are my favorite poems because I find them very, very emotional and evocative. Of course, they speak to the same theme of um, women's empowerment. So this is called Fear Not. Fear not the snarl of the lip that foretells the rage that rises without warning, without reason. Fear not the clenching of the fist that rains blows on your body, a body already battered and bruised. Fear not the boot that endlessly kicks at your cowering, fragile frame, a frame that has withstood 
and will withstand. Fear not the curses that reduce you to a shell of emptiness, of nothingness, words that stamp out your identity, your humanity. Fear your need to hide the scars and cover the bruises. Fear your remarkable ability to pretend all is well. Fear your eagerness to forgive and forget. Fear your strength to stem the tears. Fear your hope that tomorrow will be different, tomorrow will be better. Fear your reluctance to seek help. Fear your patience, your tolerance, your acceptance. Fear your forbearance. It empowers the coward, the weak, the not man. Celebrate your strength. Overcome your fear. Rejoice in your community. You are an individual, but you are not alone. You are not alone. And then one um, very quickly, it's a short poem. It's called Hear Me, My Son. I've written it for my boys, but also for all young men and women out there. So it says, hear me, my son. Yours is not a hand unless it holds to guide, not strike. Yours is not an eye unless it looks with kindness, not anger. Yours is not a leg unless it walks with purity of intention, not to kick. Yours is not a tongue unless it speaks of love, not abuse. Yours is not a lip unless it smiles with tenderness, not disgust. Yours is not a finger unless it points within, not accusingly. Yours is not a heart unless it beats to uplift and nurture, not to install terror. Hear me, my son. You are not a man unless you live your humanity. Thank you. Thanks, Rashida. Um, th that was beautiful. Can you tell us about your, your leap of faith that saw you become a full-time writer? So, you know, I've always said I wanted to write. I've been a reader all my life and I love books and I love stories. I'm a very passionate storyteller and story consumer. Uh, and I only really started, well, actually, I did a little bit of dabbling in my, uh, in my late 20s. I dabbled a bit in, in some short stories and uh, one or two opinion pieces. But I seriously started, I'd say about five years ago while I was still working full time. And then about three and a half years ago, this is what I've been doing. I mean, I also do a little bit of proofreading and editing and copywriting for a few clients, mostly NGO clients, but not only. Uh, small businesses and that kind of thing, you know, writing copy for their websites or brochures or rewriting their annual reports and things like that. So that started seriously about five years ago. And for the first year and a half, I was still working full time while I wrote my first two novels. And then when I took a sabbatical, which became eventually, you know, leaving work full time, I initially took a sabbatical for a few months. I worked on editing my uh, book and sent it and was busy sending it out to publishers. And that in itself is a full time job, let me tell you, you know, making sure you find all the right people to send it to, setting it up in each of their required formats sending it off, waiting for a reply. Um, and I, I wasn't taken up by any publishers. And by the end of that, I realized I got good feedback. I got a lot of good feedback, actually, from, from some of the publishers who, who read the synopsis and, and the stories. So then rewrote uh, the books and worked with a professional editor to make it you know, as close to perfect as possible. That took another year. And then I decided I was going to self-publish. 
Okay, before we get into self-publishing, which I think is important, I wanted to ask you about that book, Mirror Cracked, which follows the lives Mm -hmm. of of three Muslim people during apartheid and how their lives are all entangled. It tells the story of Azra Hasim, a strong, successful Muslim woman who has a hunky-dory life, but it, it is shattered when she discovered her husband is having an affair. It's a brave book that explores themes of betrayal, sexuality, homosexuality, drugs, and mental health in the community. What was the reaction to the book? Surprisingly, the reaction was very good. You know, initially when I wrote the book, uh, I had somebody, a very close friend of mine who read, uh, you know, the story before it was published. And she said, you better write under a pseudonym. And I said, no, no way. You know, I'm very, very um, close to this work. And I have to put my name to it. Um, and people said, people who read it or who knew the, the, the kinds of topics that I'd be dealing with said, maybe you're going to get some backlash, you know, from the powers that be or, or the senior people in, in, in Muslim society. Happily, though, I'm happy to report nothing like that, nothing adverse. I mean, on the contrary, my books have been very well received. Uh, discussions from, from readers have been that they love the fact that I'm tackling these issues that are often swept under the carpet, that are often not addressed. I mean, I think it's changing in the last 20 years already, uh, something like, like drug abuse. I think because there's no choice but for us as Muslims or as general society but to address it, uh, that, has, that has slowly uh, started to become less of a stigma, um, you know, purely because almost every family has the story, you know, uh, or know of somebody close, close by that has a story. So this has become a big thing, uh, you know, working through drug abuse. I mean, the Muslim drug rehab centers all over the country as well. So it's a big problem uh, in our society amongst the youth. But um, things like uh, sexual identity, things like um, abuse, women abuse, those things are often not spoken about. Um, You know, much as Islam will give, you know, being if you, if you follow the prescripts of Islam very closely, Islam gives full um, um, uh, equality between men and women. There's only in certain respects because of reasons, uh, you know, that I explained. Maybe there's a, a difference in the way the, the man and woman is perceived or how whatever their rights are. Um, but unfortunately, in our society, it's not played out like that. Uh, Muslim society generally is a very patriarchal society, and it's uh, quite a quite a long, hard road to try and challenge those um, kinds of preconceived notions that we all have. Um, and you know, it's surprising. I had young people come up to me and say, you know. I didn't realize it, but I am a homophobe. I didn't realize it, but I have all of these prejudices. Um, and, you know, the, I think the writing of it, the story and the characters uh, bring out these themes that you cannot avoid, but look at it and question it and hopefully be able to question your, yourself in, in how you relate to these issues. Your stories are grounded in South African Muslim society, but you have also ventured into fantasy and into other local communities. Yes, for sure. So, you know, when I uh, thought about writing a short story collection, it was only after I'd written a few that I was doing as an exercise. Um, I was doing an online challenge where you'd get a prompt and a number of words every month have to write a short story uh, based on that prompt. Um, and what I decided to do was to 
um, really work on my craft and my art as a writer. And I thought I would use the short stories to stretch my writing brain in that I would not only write things that I'm used to, themes and characters that I'm used to. You know, I like to write about strong female characters, but not only, but, you know, those are the, the underlying uh, characters that come through more often than not. So I thought, why not use the short story to try different genres, to try different voices? Um, and that's what I was doing. And I, I found it fascinating. And, you know, I even wrote a fan, the, the least, my least favorite story, hard to say that I don't like that one as much as the others, but it's the fantasy one. And I realized it's probably because I don't read fantasy myself. Um, and, you know, that's the other thing as a writer one has to do is ha one has to broaden one, one's reading, uh, you know, one's reading shelf quite a bit and, and, and move away from the normal what you're always used to. Why do you describe yourself as a unicorn? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a unicorn is something that doesn't exist. So, in a way, because um, you know, a lot of a lot of the writing, none of my writing is 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 based in any truth. It's not based in any character. But there are obviously little bits of the characters where they're, they're a little bit biographical, uh, not in terms of what necessarily has happened or the plots, but probably in their reactions to things and how they relate to other people. Um, so, in a way, the characters do exist, but they don't exist. So, I'd like to call myself a unicorn. I also like to think, of, yeah, why not? You know, <laughs> stretch the, stretch yourself and put yourself out there a bit. And of course, as you've noticed, it, people always ask that question. You know, why do you call yourself a unicorn? So, it's always a good uh, um, conversation starter as well. What are the challenges of self-publishing? You know, I think as self-publishers, we face probably all of the challenges that published authors face as, as well as others, you know, in terms of having to be a one-man show, basically, or a one-woman show. So apart from just doing the writing, um, you have to get involved in every aspect of the book, from, you know, design and layout and distribution and all of the marketing and the social media. So you don't have a, a team behind you, although I know even published authors say when they do have a you know, a, a, a publishing house, even they have to do a lot of their own marketing. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that. I mean, I would think of the whole process, the actual writing of the story, much as it's challenging and much as it's pouring your heart and soul into it, it is probably the easiest part. The rest of it is, yeah, it's, it's a learning of when I started this journey, I had no idea how much I was going to learn about the South African writing industry, the South African publishing industry. And the learning curve has just been, you know, right up there, which is wonderful because I love learning new things. Uh, yeah. And the other, the other great, the other great thing is people often, uh, people are very helpful. You know, other writers, other independent writers, other uh, writers, even from publishing houses are very helpful, always open to um, you asking a question and trying to get information. Yeah. So the journey has been really, um, it's been really inspiring and profound. You, you say you like to learn new things. What have you learned about yourself during this lockdown? Ooh, I was I was going to answer quickly whatever I learned about myself as a writer. During the lockdown, well, for me personally, as a full-time writer who works mostly from home, um, I'm this is my norm. Uh, of course, I, I miss going out. I like to do at least... Uh, two three times a week, I like to do a walk in, in the in the in the parks in, in my area. I'm very blessed to be close to both the botanical gardens in Emerentia and Delta Park. So I miss 
being out in nature, I miss being out, you know, my I go with a friend who has two dogs, so we have a nice time when we go out and connecting with, with people. I also almost always am out meeting a friend or two, not, all, you know, at least once or twice a month to go for coffee here or there. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy being out and, and watching people uh, engage and interact with each other. Uh, you know, I, I find observing people a wonderfully entertaining pastime. So I miss all of that. What have I learned about myself? Um, yes, I think it's been it's been quite interesting having the whole family at home. So I've learned that I can be a patient when uh, there's everybody around and on top of each other. I mean, fortunately, we're very lucky. We have quite a comfortable house and a garden, so not everybody's in everybody's hair all the time. But yeah, there are times when you you know already I I just gave you lunch now you want tea and you. <laughs> So it's it's been a bit of that, but it's been it's it's also been wonderful. I think it's it's been good to have the bonding time with with my with my children. I mean, my son normally at Cape Town University, so he's been around you know for the last month, and that's been wonderful. And he's going to be here for the next term as well because university has closed, obviously, for the next term. If you had to take one of your characters with you into the lockdown, who would you take? Oh, that's a good one. I love them all. Probably. Probably Farid, uh, if you're talking about Mirror Crack from the novels, probably Farid. I mean, it, the, the natural reaction would have been Aziza. Uh, Azra, I mean, sorry, I used the name Aziza in the radio in the radio series, so that's why I reverted to that. But I think Azra would be quite challenging. She is quite hard on herself and can be quite uh, judgmental on other people as well. So I think that might have been quite difficult. Farid, although he's a tortured soul, um, I think is very empathetic or more empathetic than, you know, than, than Azra. It, who, it, Azra eventually becomes more empathetic and understands she goes through a journey by the end of the sequel. But I think probably Farid, yeah. Zach, I think, is too self-centered. Yeah, he would drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And now, the sound effects, Rorschach test. That takes me back to um, to my to my mum. We had uh, an old mincer. It didn't sound like that so much. I mean, this one I think was a bit, of, but we had an old mincer, which uh, she would use only once a year to make something called malida, uh, which is, is is quite an Indian thing. And we would use that to mince these little discs of puffed up pastry uh, and grind them. And that was the sound of it. You know, it was it was quite a yeah, it was quite a process. The whole process took about two or three days to complete. And yeah, um, yeah, but we only did it once a year. But everybody loved it. Being at a counter, a busy, like a coffee bar or something like that, and uh, trying to place your order or trying to decide on your order. Um, yeah, coffee, tea, those are my favorite things. And I often like to try different varieties of, you know, things when I'm at different stores or coffee shops. But yeah, I just, I like the bustle and the hustle of the background sound. It makes me feel like I'm connecting with everybody. <laughs> You know, that wasn't a sound I heard very much growing up because I lived in the city centre in Durban. So it's a sound that I've gotten used to more recently. Um, like I said, I, I often walk dogs in the park and 
um, that's that's a lovely uh, time to commune with people and yeah for the dogs to actually play with each other we have a little puppy she's well my friend has a little puppy and yeah I consider her as, as much mine as, as as hers um and yeah she's quite a delight she's so thrilled to meet new dogs and you make new friends in the park oh I don't know my brother I think uh, I have a, a two older brothers two older siblings and the one who is just uh, closer in age to me is about a year and a half uh, older than me we had uh, quite a tumultuous relationship I suppose we were very close in age and maybe there was a lot of sibling rivalry and jealousy but yeah that was the thing for him to do to lie in wait and little innocent me come walking past and he'd jump out and scare me Wonderful. Thank you so much Rashida and good luck with your with your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me Jonathan. I I really enjoyed it. Take care. Thank you for listening to Amma Booker Booker the Quarantine Chronicles live from the lockdown. You can subscribe to Amma Booker Booker on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Amma Booker Booker is produced by Jonathan Anser and Dan Dews and brought to you by Books Live in collaboration with Multimedia Live. Authors who would like to be featured email jonathan.answer@gmail.com I'm a boga